Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and I'm super pumped to have today from the Dan Reed Network. Uh, Dan Reed, how you doing, man? I'm good, Alex. Great. So Sly Dog is your like nickname? Yeah, it is. That's 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 what I go go by. Yeah, that's kind of my you could say quote unquote stage name for the podcast. Awesome. Nice to meet you here today, brother. Nice to meet you, man. I wanted to tell you a quick little story before we got into things. So uh, uh, I have a friend, Eric Miller, who is uh, very into your music. He talks about it on his podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard any of your your music before. So I got when I got the uh, Let's Hear It For The King album in my email from uh, Dustin, I was like, let me give this a listen. And I have to say, it made me it made me an immediate fan. I've been going back this week and listening to all the the old stuff now because I really like this new record. So uh, I I just want to let you know that I'm I'm a new fan and I'm really I'm really digging this record. So yeah. Thank you. I see you got the Prince shirt on, you know, Prince, one of my first inspirations back in the God, back in high school, late 78, 79. Oh, wow. You so know. you jumped you jumped in like on like For You and the self-titled album. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to talk about, uh, well, you know, we're going to work Prince into the end of the episode, I think now. But uh, let's talk about, uh, let's hear it for the King. This new, this is your seventh record, right? As Dan Reed Network? Yeah, probably. I guess we had the EP as well. So that's this would be the seventh album if you count our first EP. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this one. Um, so talk about putting this one together. Like, did this start, like, was this planned? Or like, I know some records were kind of born now out of the pandemic and just like right. creativity out of that. So how did this album kind of start, you know, taking shape? Well, I had been on the road for like 10 years straight up until 2019. And uh, I took the year off uh, to kind of just spend more time with my family. I have a nine-year-old son. And I was on the road all the time. So I really wanted to take a year off. I didn't know the pandemic was going to force us another two years off. But 2019 was a year of spending time home, writing songs for this album, um, sending tracks back and forth with my keyboardist, bassist, guitar player, um, co-writing. And so we really had a year to write tracks, which we never really have that kind of time. And then recorded the, the record in Portland, Oregon in January of 2020 thinking that we were going to go out <laughs> that springtime or summer. And then when the, when COVID came, it gave us a, a lot of time to actually do more work on the record, which was more about just adding some more bells and whistles, rearranging some songs, um, really spending time on mixing it with uh, Rob Dakers, just a great engineer, our keyboardist, and making uh, music videos and a short film to kind of help promote the record. And that we would have never had that kind of time if it wasn't for the pandemic. So. Um, But yeah, pretty much everything was composed, written, and recorded mostly um, January 2020. So this is a long time coming getting this record out. That's awesome. And that kind of like, that actually makes a lot of sense because that leads into something I want to talk about, which is like the lyrical approach on this album. It feels very much like a kind of look back at the past two years. Like, would you say this is kind of like, you know, Dan Reed's, you know, state of the union on the world at this point? (laughs) Um, I guess you could say that. I mean, that year in 2019 that I took off, I really got to spend more time kind of just studying what was going on socially in the world. Um, When you're on the road all the time, at least for me, I tend to stay away from all the news and noise of uh, whether it's politics and what have you. I just try to focus more on the shows, but being home a lot, I got to kind of just dive into what the left is thinking, what the right is thinking. Um, how everybody is becoming superstars now with social media where you couldn't do that in the past. 
you used to have to get a record deal or be in a big movie or become a modeling star or whatever to have some kind of social influence. And now if you make the right video in your backyard, you can have a million followers within a week. So this record was really about what are we going to do with that newfound um, power that people have? Is it all just to feed the ego or is it, is it something that is going to serve a higher purpose someday? Um, the TikTok generation, for example. So I was kind of uh, writing all these songs in 2019 about just taking a, a overview of that. So yeah, I guess it's I guess state of the union. <laughs> and what what was great what's great in a way is or or maybe it's not great. Who knows? Um, like it still fits. Like you know, it, even though you probably sat on these songs for two years, you know, they they still really do. Like they kind of fit what's going on right now. Especially, you know, I listen to some of the lyrics on some of these songs, and, and you know, even though that the he who must not be named is gone like it his his influence is unfortunately still prevalent so yeah. that that really does like shine through on this record oh thank you yeah i spent uh what 2017 18 19 i mean i was i was a tulsi gabber guy in the beginning and bernie in the beginning and then tulsi supported bernie and i liked her for the same reasons i like bernie and then i started seeing you know, my liberal party that I belong to my whole life start throwing all these people under the bus, you know, Bernie included a couple times. Yep. And then Tulsi and forced her over to the right more, which was very strange to me. Um, but yeah, I've been baffled by just this, it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that uh, the powers that be love having, love keeping us divided. You know, they, they enjoy it. They make a lot of money off of it. And um, the more and more I dive into it, the more and more I start seeing that truth, at least what what appears to me. I found that the human, human race, whether on the left or right, have much more in common than they have uh, things that they disagree about. Uh, and I would, I'm trying to focus on the things that we have in common, the shared beliefs, as opposed to the things that we disagree on. That would be great to make the middle stronger, you know, someday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can feel lost in all like the madness of like the push and pull. So, yeah, yeah, it's wild, I, wild days, man. I get that. Uh, well, one more thing before we get back to the, to the music. You actually live, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you live in Prague, right? I do. Uh, what was you like moving out of the US? Was like that kind of due to like the divide? Like, were you just kind of like seeing this, trying to see yeah. this split? Yeah, I left in 2003 after we invaded oh, wow. in Iraq. You know, okay, so, so when, Bush, when Bush invaded Iraq against the wishes of pretty much the whole world, um, Afghanistan, I understood because of the Taliban and 9-11. Iraq made no sense to me. I thought it would be better to uh, just take a break from America for a while. I was going to go off to India, which I did. And I spent a year living in a Tibetan monastery in 2004. <laughs> and, um, and then I moved to Israel, lived in Jerusalem for a few years, um, 2005 to 2008. And then I moved to Paris for a couple of years. I moved back to America when Obama was running for president. I campaigned for him, lived in New York for about nine months, um, did a bunch of fundraisers for him, really believed in everything he was saying he was going to do. And when Guantanamo Bay didn't get closed down and when his drone program was ramped up and all kinds of stuff, I was like, okay, so people are still, politicians <laughs> are still just saying what they need to to get what they need. Yep. So I, I ended up moving back to Europe because I was primarily playing over here. So it was much easier than living in New York and flying over here every week. So I moved to Prague, um, fell in love with the city back in 1990 when we played here with the Rolling Stones, um, right after the Velvet Revolution. 
And when I came back here, uh, whatever that was 15, 20 years later, I realized this would be a great city to live in as an artist and then met my partner and then we had a son. And so this is home until he graduates from high school and see where, where he goes. I won't follow him too closely because I know <laughs> teenagers don't want parents around that much. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Well, it, well, that's, uh, I like that. You, you traveled around, you've seen the world. That's awesome. That's really cool, man. Um, so let, let's go back to the record for a second. Talk about your like writing process in that like, do you come in with a set of lyrics ready or do you have to like jam with the band a bit to come up with something like what is, how does that go together for you? How does this yeah, come together? The band jamming days that ended back, I'd say in the late eighties, early nineties, when we were touring on the bus and we had a, a 12 track, a Kai in the back of the bus and we would work on songs together. That's pretty much the last time that we've sat down and jammed on stuff together. However, we all have our own studios in our homes now. So, they'll send me a groove um, that has maybe no chorus to it yet. It's just like a really great verse groove. I'll chop that up, um, put some other chords and with guitar or keyboards uh, to create a chorus or, or vice versa or verse, um, and then start writing the lyrics from there. I usually have some titles and concepts that I've written down in my little uh, journal um, uh, that I try to uh, hold on to. You know, I've always go back to that book and there's stuff I like, oh, that wasn't, I wasn't ready to write that yet. I wrote down that title six years ago, for example. Um, but very rarely do I have like a poem written that needs music. So it's always the music starts it off and then I go, oh, this would be perfect for that title or for that theme. And um, just go for it. I'll sit in the studio with the mic on and just have it in a loop and just start singing stuff and see what comes out emotionally, you know? Nice. I want to hit on a few songs specifically. So let's start with, uh, let's start with Supernova. This is one of my favorites. It's kind of got a funky Stevie Wonder vibe. Right and and I, I, it's kind of, you know, fits the lyrical approach we were talking about earlier. And you do something interesting. You take the uh, I Have a Dream speech and kind of do your own dark rereading of it. Talk about mm -hmm. that song a bit. I Have a Nightmare, right? Yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of about if people are going to, become these icons. Um, uh, are you gonna be an icon for good or for the dark? You know, it's like with, uh, I love Will Smith, for example, this is a classic example, where his whole last 20 years, he's been talking about being this beacon of peace and love and really giving great advice for people that are going through difficult times with family or relationship stuff. And then at the same time, you know, when it, his wife was offended at the awards ceremony and he got up and slapped Chris Rock, that, that goodwill, <laughs> pardon the pun, his name's <laughs> um, that goodwill, you saw how fast it ebbed away, you know, where he lost projects and it became a meme of the, of the century, maybe a decade. Um, so this, I'm, I'm going to be a rock star just like you. You're going to be a rock star just like me that it's trying to deflate this stardom thing, you know, because we always looked up to, you know, stars. We all, whether they were rock stars or movie stars, we looked up to them. We liked hearing their thoughts and their advice because they entertained us, you know? And that song is really about deflating that, that uh, some of the best rock stars are people that are uh, cleaning the toilets at the local grade school and they never get a fan mail letter ever. Um, so this is a, a song about the nightmare of, us devolving into egotism. And I think, you know, Trump was part of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, but devolving into that, or are we gonna evolve into something a little more enlightened? 
And so that's what supernova is all about. Are we going to expand into this great light like a supernova does? <laughs> or are we going to uh, devolve into a black hole? And where did, the, did it start? Did you have the, uh, the I have a nightmare section when it started? Or was that something that came later? No, it came later, for sure. That was this whole section in the song. I was like, I used to on the old records, like especially Mix It Up, songs like Mix It Up and Thy Will Be Done, which is off of The Heat, I believe, um, our third album 20 years ago. Um, that I actually used to like rapping a lot. And then I started hearing all the rappers come out, Eminem came out and all these folks. And I was like, okay, time for me to give up that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like giving a little speech here and there on these songs. I think I do it on the end of Pretty Karma as well. Yeah, yeah. there's something about sexy robots. <laughs> yeah, sexy robots. Yeah. yeah. Dying species and sexy robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think, you know, if you see what's going on in the dating world, um, First, you had courting people back in the day where you'd ask somebody out to the you know, high school dance and you'd go very slow and all that. And then it went into strip clubs. Then you had pornography. Then you have, uh, I guess you would say cabaret clubs in the beginning, uh, pornography. And now you're going to have, uh, you have dating apps where you swipe left or right. I mean, how impersonal can dating get if you just ah, don't like you, like you, don't like you, like you. Um, and then robots, you know, sex dolls, blow up dolls were first, and then they're going to be mechanical dolls. So I'd say we're about 10 years away from you don't need to date anybody and you just buy the doll that you like best. So that's uh, there's a danger in that um, in the sense of humanity propagating and surviving, um, having human connection um, and leaving our house once in a while and connecting with real human beings. I think that's still important. I think it'll be important throughout uh, the future. But at the same time, I do understand our proclivity to wanting to become this futuristic race where we are almost like aliens, where we're, everything is okay, everything is accepted and beautiful, and all human beings are like Dalai Lamas. We got a planet of Dalai Lamas someday. I get that. Um, I think we might be moving toward that a little too fast for some of the people that aren't ready yet. Um, but I do think that uh, we'll get there. That's my hope. Um, with giving those little speeches is try to just plant that seed in people that, you know, maybe not thinking about that stuff at the time. Right. I will say that, you know, for all the stuff I've mentioned, you know, kind of about the darker side of things, there is, there is hope in this record, especially in the next song I have on my list, which is I see angels, which is just a, a mm -hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous ballad. And it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a nice palate cleanser coming after supernova and let's hear it for the King. Yeah. Right on. Good. That was the hope, you know, it's like, don't get too depressed people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I see angels was uh, originally written by Brian James. I only wrote a few of the lyrics on that. I would say Brian is the optimist uh, in the band and he's the eldest in the band, oddly enough. So he has, I would say more idealistic hopes for humanity than anyone else in the group. And we all are pretty idealistic to be honest. So he's, He's kind of our guiding light with that, but he's also kind of a mad scientist. Like he, <laughs> you know, he talks about how aliens uh, came here and created us to mine the gold off the planet and, you know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so, it's interesting where he comes from. I love him to death. And so I see angels was that kind of salve we needed to uh, heal the pain. He sounds like an interesting cat. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he, he sounds like he'd be fun to hang with. Everybody loves hanging out with Brian. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh to, to back it up to tr one track before it um there was one lyric on this album i just thought like 
it, it made me laugh, but I also also like to come up with that. Like that's pretty clever. Clever. You came up with with the phrase "peach colored double decker blowjob bus" yeah. in the title track. Yeah. So I I, I got to commend commend you for that. Talk about let's the, the title track for a bit. Let's hear it for the king. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's all kind of just pointing the finger at you know people that are taking advantage of their station in life if they're uh, politically powerful, wealthy, um, instead of you know, they're breaking rules and, and committing crimes behind everyone's back. And that to me, again, let's hear it for the king is kind of a way to show the irony of that, that again, I think the real king are the humble people on this planet. Um, you know, that's saying from the Bible where the meek shall inherit the earth type of thing, right? That after living in India, living up in the Himalayan mountains, uh, spending time in Palestine, um, you see a lot of people that are living in abject poverty, and yet I've seen the looks on their faces have more joy than a lot of people I know that have it, that are living in the high life in Florida, for example, living in mansions, um, complaining about stuff, uh, always agitated, looking for the next bigger, better deal. It's a lot of stress, you know, and I see people that live in these scholars that seem to have more joy in their life often, you know, because they don't know any better. So there's something about that, that let's hear it for the King is uh, my take on that, where the real Kings are the people that don't get any praise. Absolutely. So let's give praise to the people that don't need it. You know, that kind of thing. Right on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, got, I got a few more questions for you before we wrap this up. Um, so you mentioned a short film. Uh, I've also heard talk of a documentary. Is that kind of like the same thing? Is the documentary the short film? No. That, uh, okay. Okay. So, so they are two different things. All right. So talk, talk a bit about the documentary. Yeah. Well, the documentary was a, a filmmaker named uh, Paul Mortlock from the UK. He did uh, a couple music videos for us. That's how we met him. And then at, he came and shot us recording a, uh, I guess you would say part of an album in a, in a studio in Manchester where we had 150 people there as guests in, a, in the round and we got them to sing on the record and, and it was just a great day. We fed them and just had a beautiful party. And he filmed that and he got to meet a lot of these uh, people that support our music in the UK. And he was like, you know, what'd be really interesting is to make a documentary to see, seeing all this love that the band has, I'd like to document that and see if we can make a story out of it. So he's been working on that for a few years. Supposedly, he just came to Prague last month and interviewed me for the last interview. Um, so I'm guessing that's going to be done in this fall after the summer. And he's going to go to festivals with that. And that's Paul Mortlock's baby. Um, so that's the documentary. But the short film called Supernova, which is after the song, is uh, a story about exactly what I was talking about story about a, a janitor that has uh, had a really tough life and it's about him rising from the depth of depression and abuse and trying to make some kind of uh, sense of it all and some finding light at the end of that crazy tunnel so that's about a 40 minute long film that uh has three or four four drn songs in it it was originally supposed to be like a kind of purple rainish type thing where right. dramatic story right and then uh a, a lot of people in the in film industry started taking notice of it before it was even released and wants to turn it into a feature film so i wrote a whole script for it now um we're in the middle of 
putting the whole team together and getting it financed to to make that into a feature. Hopefully we'll be shooting that end of the year or early next year. So I, sadly, I can't release this uh, 40 minute uh, short film because it gives away the whole story. Right. So, uh, but I'm just releasing the song moments. So the, let's hear it for the King video. It'll come out next month, June 17th. Oh, awesome. That's, uh, that's released at the album, I believe. Yep, exactly. So that'll be like the name of the album, the track from the, from the short film, people will get to see pieces of it. And um, hopefully that'll spark their interest in wanting to watch the feature when it comes out. That's super cool. I'm looking forward to both those, the documentary and the film. I, I, right on. I like that you turn, the, turn, the, turn that little idea of, you know, the, the, you know, someone like, you know, doing something that may seem so small, but makes a big difference. Yeah. So that's great. I'm glad to hear that. It's yeah. set in the dystopian Blade Runner future. <laughs> oh, like man. A, I can only imagine. A janitor in that kind of world, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I always like to end kind of things on a lighthearted note. And, you know, since... <laughs> The whole spirit of my podcast is, you know, I'm just a music fan that gets to talk to musicians and I love doing that. Uh, I also love having moments where the musician themselves gets to be a fan. And you mentioned Prince. Uh, yeah. I'm a big Prince fan too. And every year I do a Prince episode and that's coming out uh, in the not too distant future. So just share some of your like, you know, memories of being a Prince fan and, you know, getting into his music. And did you ever meet him? I never met him. Um, I do know that he used our first album to uh, sound check his PA systems back in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh, wow. I, that's really cool. I heard I had a sound man that worked for him for a while and said, yeah, Prince loved your first album and he would use it at his after parties and he would play it to check the PA system, which is awesome because Mike Fraser, who mixed that first album, the first full album for Polygram, uh, really did such a great job with the drums and guitars having this and the keyboards all mixed together. And I think Prince liked the fact that you could really um, find those tones crystal clear. If you listen to just the keyboards, they were there and prominent, but they weren't burying the guitars. So Mike Fraser was a genius at that. Um, and then two quick stories. One is when we went to Minneapolis to go see ACDC back in the, I guess it was 79. Yeah, I think 79 or 78 even. Oh, wow. um, me and my drummer, Dan Pred, we were 16, 15. We drove over to Minneapolis. It was about a five hour drive from where we lived in South Dakota. And we went to this music store because uh, you don't have big music stores out in the farmland. And, <laughs> yeah. and these guys were talking about this kid named Prince that was just amazing. And all he does is practice all the time and, and buy instruments. And he plays the bass, the drums, the keyboards, the guitar, he sings and writes lyrics. And we had just heard about this legendary local kid that was doing all this amazing music. And we were like, Prince, wow, let's, I'd like to see what that's all about. The next year is when we got his first album because we had heard about him and we were like, let's get his record, you know? And blown away, just that's the kid those guys were talking about the music store, that vibe. And then the second time, um, the only time I got to see Prince, we were just, we were touring with the Rolling Stones. We had played at Wembley Stadium for a hundred and, 30,000 people or 70,000 people. I don't know what it was, crazy amount of people. And we opened up for the Stones. We were, it was the first show of the tour. We came off stage feeling pretty good about ourselves that we had just played in front of this large crowd of Stones fans and didn't get booed off and people seemed to enjoy our set. And then Prince was playing right across the parking lot at Wembley Arena oh, that wow. same, same night. And we knew some of their crew members. So they said, hey, we'll get you backstage and you can come and see the show as soon as you get off stage. So we walked over feeling pretty like full of ourselves <laughs> we walked 
came in backstage and we saw the whole arena on their feet dancing, which I've never seen before. And then walked around the uh, speaker columns and there was Prince playing Party Man up on stage in this beautiful purple suit with high heels and his great guitar. Nice. I'm doing the splits and dancing. And we were just like deflated completely. We were like, we should quit the music business today. <laughs> Uh, but that was the best show I'd ever seen in my life since then. I haven't seen a better show. The closest thing I can think of is like James Taylor and Carol King at Madison Square Gardens. No dancing, just sitting at a mic singing beautiful songs. But if you're going to put on a show and a performance, nothing tops that performance of Prince. That's awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I never got to see him, but that that sounds awesome. And also, I got, I got to shout you out because I'm a fellow like, you know, Midwestern or you're South Dakota on North Dakota. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm from North Dakota. I know exactly. Yeah, really? what, yeah, I grew up on a dairy farm. I know exactly what you mean when you say there were like a bunch of record stores around. I know what you mean. Oh, but, my God. We used to go to Bismarck. To see, I think we saw Van oh, Halen. Wow. Van Halen in Bismarck in 1978 or 79, somewhere like that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that Bismarck was like 90 minutes from where I grew up. I grew up in like this little uh, town, like with a bunch of old German people, like the nearest, like, you know, thing you could call like, you know, civilization, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's, you know, Walmart, whatever yeah, yeah. that was, it was 90, yeah. 90 miles. It was like a 90 mile drive away from me. So I, I was really yeah. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's double. I was 45 miles on the farm, cattle farm. Oh, we nice. A, yeah. Thousand cattle, thousand head of cattle through, you know, 50, 60 pigs, horses, all that shit. But yeah, I was 45 miles away from a movie theater where I had to yep. go to see Star Wars, for example, but 90 miles. Holy shit. That's hardcore. Yeah, man. Yeah. Middle, middle of nowhere. Yeah. I don't meet too many people like <laughs> from that area, especially in music. So that's cool. Wow. North Dakota, man. All right, brother. You're a brother. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Dan, <laughs> this is, this has been so much fun. The record is let's hear it for the King. It's out June 17th. Do you have anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up? Uh, just, uh, I, I guess I would say, don't lose faith in the future, people. It's really easy to get into these little camps that we're all picking right now. And I, I'd say uh, try to stand in the middle, everybody. Um, it's, I think it will be much stronger as humanity if we do. That's all. Well said. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Till next time, people, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll. Mind and body, mind and body, baby. Mind and body.
spitting hatred for the injustice of having different opinions. Wandering a digital wasteland where all people's hollow courage is equal. I have a nightmare. I see wannabe dictators and egomaniacal, tragically comical men running the world. A world where too many women want to be like those men. A world where no one is equal. A world where money will be the last nourishment of humankind. Woohoo! Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.